1: And diving too, Kenny. My And goodness. diving. Mackie is out. Brian Murphy of the uh, Pioneer Press is in. We have uh, Jace Frederick of the Pioneer Press coming up at 930 Talk. Wolves and...
2: And with the 20th pick in the 2018 NBA draft, the Minnesota Timberwolves select Josh Okogie from Georgia Tech. Three on the shot clock. Doesn't get
3: it. Seconds to play, down the floor, Okogi he beat the buzzer,
4: Georgia Tech wins! And the Deeks take it away, the pass ahead to Crawford, rejected
3: by Okogi and it's out of bounds to Georgia Tech. Versatility is the big thing, and uh, the, that's the, the way our league is going, his ability to play multiple positions, I think his ability to get to the free throw line is important. Uh, of course, the three, but it's just uh, the the fact that he plays both sides of the ball. He's a uh, a good young player that has a big upside.
1: All right, Murph, I got one question for you. That's it, Joshua. Yes, this is the most. This is the question that's been on my mind since last night when I saw that there were people upset that, that the Wolves took this Joshua Kogi kid of Georgia Tech with the twentieth overall pick in the first round. When did every sports draft become the football draft? The football draft, I am willing to allow everyone to weigh in, right? You take a guy in the tw- with the 28th pick and man, we should have taken a guard or is this guy develop, you know, it's football. You've watched football. I think the earliest that you can declare to come out is 3 years into your college football career. So, I'm willing to give you a football. But Josh he's 19. He was taken uh, because he has a seven-foot wingspan and can play defense. Uh, But the point being, first of all, Tibbs doesn't play rookies. So this kid's probably not going to play much. But second of all, when did we start to weigh in on every single draft as if we know what the Timberwolves or any other team should do at 20?
2: Because we all have access to everything now. We've got access to combine data. And I don't even remember, when did the NBA combine begin? Because it was the NFL gig oh, in the mid-80s, God. but now everybody's got no a idea. But let's not forget, never mind the 7-foot wingspan, he's also got a vertical leap. And that means a max vertical leap, which means vertical with a running start. Is 40, that what it is? It's 42 inches. Oh, look, look so at you. So there's vertical leap and max vertical Look at Brian Murphy breaking it down, bringing it the down. Information, bringing look it at down. This. Well, here's keep going. Tell me more. Uh, he recorded the fastest three-quarter court sprint, so not not end to end three-quarter court sprint. Wow. Three point zero four seconds. I mean that that's enough to move the needle. Now everybody has access to everything. I, I'm sure there weren't many Twin Cities basketball fans watching a lot of Georgia Tech basketball. But if they wanted to, there's the SEC channel that you can get. Uh, You can find anything on YouTube. There's 16 highlight shows on ESPN. Uh, Fingertips give you any stat, any analytics, any breakdown that you want Mm -hmm. pre-draft. And people out there want to know this stuff. They consume this stuff. And therefore, they are loaded with opinions, pre-draft opinions. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of armchair general managers out there in every sport now. But you're right, Judd. Besides football. Yeah. Uh, you know, this has happened in baseball too, which to well, me is that's the he- ultimate. Yes, your every player's a ghost. Nobody knows anything about high school baseball players <laughs> unless he's on your team uh, in your market and you're coaching that kid. What else are you going to know? About some guy in oh, California
1: nothing. with a 92-mile-an-hour fastball. Nothing. Besides that, what do you know? And you're right. What was the So when when the Twins took Royce Lewis last year, who was who the other, the pitcher? Hunter Green, is that right? Yes, that and was there was another one on the, and there uh, the was, clock. And there was outrage that the Twins wouldn't take Hunter Green. Take the arm. And, and we all assumed, well, it's because the Twins are cheap. It's because the Twins have no idea what they're looking at here. The Twins are, are just cheap. If they were not cheap, they, they would have taken Hunter Green. And the last time I looked, Hunter Green's ERA was somewhere probably around the 7 or 8. And Royce Lewis is hitting about 180 yeah. down in Iowa, too. So we'll see who gets up first. But it he also kicked
2: up kicked up a lot of dust from the 2001 debate of, do you take Joe Mauer or do you take the arm and Mark Pryor? And the question is, you got Maurer long-term, and you got a lot of production out of him before his concussion symptoms. Mark Pryor was hot early, got the Cubs almost to the World Series. Or oh, he got abused. Should have. Should have without uh, Bartlett. uh, Pryor was pitching that game. I think he gave up that foul ball. They abused and they abused his arm. They did. They just shredded his arm. But
1: at least the Maurer one, I can I can forgive completely because it was about the same guy. Right, Right. you can't pass that up. But we are now judging on uh, you should have taken this kid, this pitcher from California, and not the shortstop from uh, Tennessee. Or as I said last night, a 19 year old who can play defense. Now, an early write that down, boys for all of us right now. Josh Aoki, here's all I care about. How many games is he going to play? Estimation on games played in 2018-19 and minutes played per game. Garbage time minutes. Okay. A lot of
2: garbage time minutes.
1: I'm putting him on I'm putting him on 35 games played and in that time averaging a grand total of 5.6 minutes per game. Now, different
2: position here, point guard Tyus Jones. When does he start elevating? Does he go above that as well? Oh no,
1: no, He's no! He's a no, development we're gonna, project no, too. No, you don't. You don't get it. In I tips, don't get in, any of it. In Tip's world, we are going to play. We're going to re-sign and play Derrick Rose next season. The Derrick
2: Rose ain't coming back. I yet.
1: read a I read a column today that basically said the Kogi draft pick means that the Derrick Rose is going to have to come back. Of course, he is to mentor. Tibbs wants, you know how bad Tibbs wants Derrick Rose back? Is he going to survive 82 games? Of course he won't. (laughs) Of course he won't. Josh Okogi will find himself in 35 games because, for the most part, Derrick Rose will be in and out. But I'm putting him at 35 games and I'm putting it at 5.6 minutes per game. Harrigan. What's your call, Josh Akogi Next year, games played, minutes played per game. Are you counting G League minutes? No, no, this is Timberwolves only D 10. League. Oh, Wait. he's going to get some. No, it's G League, it's now. G oh, it's G League now. now. It's G League now. It's yeah. Gatorade League. Yeah. Oh, oh don't forget Gatorade now a sponsor. But it's still developing, right? It's yes, it is. <laughs> I hope it is.
0: I would like to know the official Derek Rose uh, whether he's back or not, but he'll be back. I think your numbers are pretty accurate. If anything, I might go on the lower end of the total games played, but I think between five and six, maybe closer to seven, eight minutes per game. Oh. I think that's about in a the quality numbers.
2: minutes or garbage time oh. minutes. Garbage time. Um,
0: I mean maybe some foul trouble minutes, perhaps <laughs> you know you get once in a while, but yeah, yeah. Probably a twenty-point
2: lead on the Sacramento Kings type minutes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you know, end of the first half, somebody's got two fouls. Let's put an a kogi and play a little defense and hack get somebody. A couple fouls, who cares. So games played, David. Uh, what well, you said 35, right? I said 35. I think that's a pretty good number. I'll All stick at right. uh, let's say let's say yeah, I'll stick at 35. I'll 25. go $1. Okay, okay Murph, you go what? $1. You'll go uh,
2: okay. this isn't prices right. Uh, I 35 is I mean, that's a dart on the board. So I I will go I'll go with you on that. Okay. It's below half.
1: Oh yeah, so we'll, we'll stick with the 30s. All right, and you and you're saying what for
2: minutes played per game? <sighs> you know what did you say, Dave? Five and a half? I waffled. Six. All right, I'll, I gave
0: Dave six. I'll go six and a half. I don't know why Judd's recording this anyway. This is not an official. Write that down. Well, for it's day. in so ten. Ten. It's But in I want to no,
1: know because I want to see at the end of next year for all the wailing and gnashing of teeth last night about drafting this kid. I want to come back and say. It doesn't matter. He basically didn't play.
2: But where was the wailing and gnashing taking place? Well, of course, social media. Yeah, that's where it so, always takes place. That's thing vent line. Know.
1: The only thing I know is that we are going to hear, or in the 35 games he does play, Josh! Josh! Rotate! Rotate! <laughs> that's what we're going to hear all next year. Because the poor kid's not going to know what he's doing, and Tibbs is going to get mad at him. That's
0: what's going to happen, and he's a number twenty pick, which means he yes. probably won't play because that's what happens to the number twenty
2: yes. picks. In Does the NBA. anybody
1: outside of the top ten really get a sniff the next season? <sighs> Somebody might, but you are going to need a coach that trusts you. This guy, this no, this guy doesn't it's trust it's rookies. More of a veteran guy. Chris Dunn was a high a high draft pick. He didn't trust him.
2: Ding ding! Cleveland's not, and they've been flying blind all season, not knowing what LeBron James will do in free agency. They're going to make their pick independent of whether they expect him to return or stay. Uh, They have been focused at the point guard position. You know, one player atop their draft board leading in today, Alabama point guard Colin Sexton. Let's see what they do here.
1: Adrian Wojnarowski last night was the star of the NBA draft. I don't care what teams did. I don't care what players did. (laughs) The edict from the NBA and ESPN in particular was that if you are an NBA partner, and that includes Turner Sports, it now includes Yahoo Sports and ESPN, you are not to tip draft picks last night. And and this has been agreed on in the NFL for a few years now.
2: Yeah, you don't want Schefter, you know, jumping
1: the gun and stomping on Goodell's moment, right? So, but Woj, when previously at Yahoo, was the master at this. He was the master at before every single pick. For essentially two rounds, he would say, so-and-so is going to this team, and that's it. Will. The The key word is the verb here. My guess is Woj might get a talking to today, Murph, but this is the greatest thing that's ever been done. Woj last night on Twitter used various different phrases to tip the picks without saying Will. He hedged. He hedged. To the tune of Deadspin recorded 17 different examples of how you hedge. Perfect. Of course they did. If you don't think that Woj is a wordsmith, if you just think he's a grinder reporter type... No, he was a columnist in Jersey. Let me run through some of these for you from Deadspin. Woj tweets in telling you who the picks will be. Has a laser on. This team has a laser on. Mm -hmm. This team is fixated on. It gets better. This team, before they took a player, they were tantalized by have no plans to pass on are unlikely to resist has cleared the way are enamored with zeroing in on determined to select locked on locked in on prefers are targeting is focused on has been focused on and um that's basically it but anyway this that's is that's brilliant i cuz you got to make a list. list you he must have
2: made a list beforehand I mean, how do you come up with those right off the bat in a row without... You know, you don't want to repeat yourself, right? You don't want to keep saying focused on, focused on, focused on, focused right. on.
1: Like any good writer, you don't want to repeat yourself. Right, because you're trying... Yeah, exactly right. So you're trying to finesse it. I think that this is one... I was wondering, too, because Woj is so good at this that I was thinking, you know, it's going to be very odd if he just gives this up. So if he just punts on picks, because he's he clearly has people coming to him and telling him. But, you know, he, he got paid by... ESPN, so I was thinking, okay, he might he might for a year just sort of back it off. But finding essentially 15 different ways to say, I know who's going to be picked, I he is the star of last night.
2: Yeah, but Woj, you, you know, the thing is, what he is known for and what his bread and butter is, is breaking NBA news. I mean, nobody is better at doing that. So to bring a guy on board and basically handcuff him on one of the biggest nights of the NBA year when breaking news is... And, and tipping off an audience, a broad audience, about what teams are going to do, that's a tough thing to do, to put a reporter in that position. But oh, that yes, it's said, very tough, but he outsmarted him. He outsmarted them, and, and he also knows who's paying him. So he finessed it enough to, he probably yes. have to sit down with the ESPN execs and say, look, all you said was, don't tell people who's going to pick what and where. And I didn't. When do you think I walked up to the line and I towed it?
1: When do you think he started to look up the phrases for which he would use to telegraph the fact that these picks were coming?
2: Yesterday morning, over his coffee.
1: You think he just? Got he probably the,
2: tested it on the wife, assuming the, he's married. I don't even know if he's married. Do you
1: think he got the thesaurus out and is like, okay, I got, I got to look up. Something. Nobody
2: gets out the thesaurus anymore. They click on the, <laughs> the thesaurus, but nobody pulls oh, out on. the old come tattered on. book. Come off on. the bookshelf anymore. You want to tell
1: me no one's got the book still?
2: I've got one in the house somewhere. It's a doorstop, I think, but I've got one on my computer God, that, that is I pull. It's such a up shame. In. Well, here, you know, it's 2018, Judd. Nobody's thumbing through dictionaries. I want to believe it.
1: Damn it, I want to believe it. You want to haul it around I, to every bo- every site? Got Don't you got your source. When, when we used to travel with our yes. with our NFL or baseball Black reference books, yes. and, yeah, everything, spirals. You'd That's why they came it. up with roller bags. You'd have to check it. All right, let's go back and talk um, about—it is not often that Molitor gets upset, but I think yesterday, after the Twins lost to Boston, we saw him about as upset as he possibly could be, and he had good reason. We'll talk about it next. Mackie and Judd is Zolget and Brian Murphy today, 1500 ESPN.
3: The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. Happy? Yeah, happy. On 1500 ESPN. We now continue with more Mackey and Judd, live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN.
4: Oh. Escobar hit by the pitch. Looks like the lead elbow based on oh, where his hand is. Do you believe there was purpose to that pitch? Uh, it, it didn't
1: look particularly good to me. Murph, you were there on... Uh, Molitor often at times, I mean, I've seen him not pleased about things, mm-hmm. but he usually articulates a little bit. Like you can tell there's a tone with Paul. I don't want to say that Paul is, is always completely even keel because he definitely has a tone at times when he's frustrated by his team's play. And, and you can sense some annoyance there. But this was as, I think, mad as I've seen him. The Porcello, I think fair enough. The Porcello pitch. Now, now the background on this is uh, top of the first on, in Thursday afternoon's game at Target Field. Kyle Gibson comes in pretty much high and tight, correct? To yeah, J- knocks to down J.D. JD Martinez. Martinez. Yep. Okay, so he knocks him down. So uh, Rick Porcello, who pitched an absolute gem, comes in in the bottom of the first for the Red Sox and goes high and tight on Eduardo Escobar, who's been great for the Twins. And yeah, Esco- not Joe Mauer. Yeah, and Escobar, right, and Escobar... Uh, is batting from the left side, gets out of the way by throwing his arm and elbow up and gets hit basically on the side of the arm slash elbow. It could have been in his ear. And it was a purpose pitch. So what's your assessment of of Paul's reaction to that? And And in a situation like that, I think this does go back to the conversation of, I get if your guy almost gets hit or gets hit, I understand that there might be retribution but there also comes a line that you can cross and your point about it could have been in his ear is probably a line you don't want to cross.
2: Yeah, if you want to do that maybe bury it in his ribs. I mean uh I mean Mauer took one in the chest trying to square around a bunt the other day against uh, was it Price or Sale? I can I think it was Sale it was wasn't sale. It? yeah. Yep. Um you, back to Molitor though. Uh, yeah, I was in the room at the time and with with Molitor you can t- it's it's often what he doesn't say and his brevity, mm-hmm. that speaks volumes. Mm-hmm. Um, you could tell with the pregnant pause there, and then it's the very simple plate again. Here it is again.
0: Do you believe there was purpose to that pitch? Uh, it, it didn't look particularly good to me.
2: Now, one thing that doesn't come across on the audio, and we talked about this off-air, too, is with Molitor. He's got those uh, deep blue eyes, and when they kind of square off either with you personally or or on that spot on the wall across the room, he can stare daggers and tell as much with that. And now that was Kevin Gorg, of course, with the FSN postgame show. So anybody watching that probably picked up on that vibe as well.
1: I saw it on TV, and he was definitely
2: glaring. Yeah. And, and now, it, wasn't
1: at, at, it wasn't at you guys or Gorg whatsoever. No, no, it was probably was, glaring at Rick Parcello, on, or Rick
2: Parcello on the other side of the, uh, the building, actually. But, yeah, I... I think he was more ticked off probably at where the pitch was and who was hit. I mean, he took out, the, took out their best hit. And Rosario was already out with the yes.
1: sore throwing shoulder.
2: Right. So, I mean, you know, Mauer is, you know, pedestrian Mauer leading off at this point. You know, maybe you might, we might want to take him a, a shot at that point. They decided not to. Mm-hmm. They took it on Escobar, who's, you know, Mr. Two-Base hit at this point.
1: Your hottest player um, right now.
2: And again, it's where it was. It wasn't in the rear. It wasn't in the hip. It wasn't in the ribs, uh-huh. which you know, take one in the ribs sends a nice enough message without trying to end did the somebody's Martinez, life.
1: Did the Martinez pitch seem on purpose to you? Because I didn't see did that, that. Or one. not in the first inning. No, yeah, I mean, I was the, say, the, what's the purpose? If,
2: if if you're answering for something that happened the night before. But I
1: mean, was there anything about it to you where when you no. saw
2: it, you thought, "Oh, wow." No, I mean, it was it was a buzz cut, you know, and he went down in the dirt. So I mean, there is that, Uh but. I don't think it was, I mean, you know, look, J.D. Martinez is their RBI leader as well. Um, But I don't think Gibson, Gibson doesn't strike me as a guy that sends a lot of messages anyway. And unless he was answering for something that happened earlier in the series, which I don't remember anything I mean, other than the Sale there incident... Were two
1: guys hit on Tuesday, right? M- Mauer got, er, got hit twice on Tuesday. Yes, which rarely But one happens. was trying to... He squared, squared the ball. and he got
2: hit around the... T- yeah, and Sale came in on him. And he got hit I, you know, on a hand. And even Mauer said afterwards he didn't think Sale was coming after him. So I don't oh. know if there was any tit for tat the entire time. But I don't know if Gibson's going to want to put a guy on base right away in the first inning. I mean, he already fell into some trouble early on. He was working out of trouble the whole day. I think the location of the pitch to Escobar and the fact that it was Escobar uh, is what annoyed Molitor the most. And
1: Escobar, uh, in the postgame, tried to downplay it. I think he said something along, along he the took lines the high of, road. I've got no problem with Porcello. I, as far as I know, he's got no problem with me. He had to, to note that there was a purpose there. Um, but what's interesting, as Dave Harrigan pointed out to me before the show, what's interesting about this, Brian, is that up in the booth, there were some tweets that I've got for you here from the TV booth, from the Twins. From Jack Morris in particular? No, or? no. One is from Dick Bramer. Oh. One is from Burt, who didn't work the game. <laughs> okay. What did Morris have to say? Did we hear? Did I, you did watch hear it? Okay. I did not hear Jack. I did not hear Jack. Dick said after the game on Twitter, not trying to fan any flames, but Porcello's drilling of Escobar in the first inning didn't pass the smell test for me. The guy was razor sharp with his control all afternoon long. When did he send this tweet after the game? Well, let me see. I don't know if they're, I don't. I must have, have been late in the game. Because it was retweeted by Burt, who followed up with this. 11. Boy, how the game has changed. And, and then he's got the thumb-down emoji. If I was pitching for the Twins after Escobar got drilled in his first at-bat, and, and then he's got the emoji of the mad red face with the uh, with the frown, I would have drilled the first batter in the top of the second. A pitcher has to, and has to in caps, protect his everyday players. Especially as hot as Escobar has been, not right. Bert Blyleven throwing down the gauntlet from the comfort of his home. And by the way, can <laughs> I say this just quickly, Bert? If you're going to do this, do this in the booth, baby. Yes. <laughs> Bring this on the yeah. Don't read the media, guy. Tell me that you want retribution.
0: And it looks like Bramer's tweet came after the game. Five seventeen is the time. Yeah, stamp that I sounds know.
2: about right. Because I, I don't think Dick tweets too much during the game anyway. And, and it was stating the fact that Porcello went seven innings and I and he retired 16 straight at one point.
1: Which is, he was great.
2: Yes, he had a and fantastic And that pitch was game. on purpose. Yeah, you can
1: say one is the other, and I'm willing to bet that uh, if if Jack didn't say the same thing during the course of the game, he thought the same. Exact I'd love to thing. hear what
2: Jack had to say because I mean, Jack uh, probably would have
1: implored Gibson more I've, so, uh, just as Bert did. I see Jack uh, up Jack in the press w- box quite a bit, and I like Jack. I have come to the conclusion, though, that Jack absolutely hates the modern game.
2: Oh yes, he does. Of course, he does. He doesn't absolutely think anybody pitching it. five and a third innings yep. uh, should be getting a pat on the back. Um, this is a guy that threw, uh, what did he throw in game seven against the Braves? Was it 140 pitches or is it something? Yeah, it was sure not. I don't recall, but I'm sure it was um, enormous. But yeah, he's, I mean, to call Jack Morris old school is is, is, is almost a cliche at this point.
1: Now, are guys like Bert in, in this case? See, I I struggle with this one. Because if you come back in, uh, so Boston comes up in the uh, in the top of the second, then and you drill their guy, what does that get you? A warning. Yeah, it, but it does. But I mean, what does that what does that get you? Does that get it? Gets you? tips? your team You're up two to one now. And do your team? But do your teammates? Do your teammates rally around you if you're Gibson and say, Kyle, we appreciate it. I don't know. The modern athlete cares that much I about that sort the, of thing.
2: And I certainly don't see this Twins team as that they don't have that kind of characteristic i can't tell that they have that kind of characteristic
1: if i thought it was going to gal if you could tell me flat out that that was going to be a galvanizing factor for your team that was going to uh, carry on for uh, i think the benches to- would
2: have to emptied it for that so to do happen.
1: i but i don't know what he gets you like i don't think it gets you any i i think you're right about this twins team i don't think this twins team says damn it that's exactly what we had to have
2: street cred Right. I don't know if they want you know they don't seem to be demanding that. And Kyle Gibson um, is so much more of a pinpoint mechanical guy. He's not. He's not going to take it upon himself.
1: And the M could have tossed him because you you don't have to warn to toss. So if he had come if, back, if
2: it had answered in the second after already putting yeah, Martinez down in the get first, out. yeah.
1: And then you go in, into your bullpen. Uh, your assessment of this team, which by the way drives me absolutely crazy, because every time I think they're finally just going to go away. Every time I think, okay, now they're done, they pop back up.
2: Well, they pop back up. They take two out of three from Cleveland. They take two out of three from Boston. But it And they're five games below 500. But to me, it feels like about 25 games. They're just not. They just haven't had a lot of traction. And I think the fact that they're lingering around isn't so much their resilience as much as it is Cleveland just sort of being asleep at the switch. Cleveland is very capable, and they're heating up right now, too. If Cleveland rips off 10 out of 12, the division race is over. I mean, I the, the Twins are hanging on barely six games out. Yep. If if Cleveland puts together a stretch, which they're known to do, it's June, it's over. Uh, it, and I don't see. It's hard to assess the Twins and give them a a, a blanket assessment because they haven't had their everyday lineup at all. I mean, Irvin Santana goes down with finger surgery in February. Yep. Jorge Polanco gets suspended in March for steroids, uh, and then right out of the gate, you've got Buxton getting hurt. You've got Sano getting hurt. You've got Maurer getting hurt. Jason Castro wasn't going to be a, you know, a real uh, wall banger in the lineup, but as a good catcher, tears his knee, he's done for the season. I mean, you had yesterday, think of this when with Rosario being out and
1: Escobar being knocked down. Mm-hmm. Think of what the left side of the twins defense was. Grossman in left field. Yes. Who has no business actually playing in the outfield. Third base. Third base. Taylor Motter. I was. <laughs> I I I hear
2: Adrianza at short. And if, if he shades over just a little bit in a shift, yep. you've got Ryan Lamar playing left center field. Now, if Maurer had come out with that lineup out of spring training, he'd have been fitted for a straitjacket. I mean, there's no way that is what the Twins were designed to be at this point. And it's hard... You know, it's it's almost impossible to maintain an offense and stay in contention when you're essentially playing with the JV squad, and they have been for
1: various stretches this first half. The fact that they beat uh, Sale on Tuesday, oh, it was look very at five, look at look at what they sent out in that lineup five through nine though. It was, and it was Lamar awful. that was starting awful to get might, it going. Awful might be strong. But it he was, was perfect th- through five. It was not good. Well, and he had perfect. When he, I think he took his, I think he took the perfect game into, into the fifth, the fifth. Okay, perfect. got two four. outs. I was in the press box thinking to myself, I might finally see one. Oh, yeah. now, a, now, a no-no, I'd be like, okay, that's sort of cool, but I wouldn't be. But I want to see a perfect game before I die. And I thought, this is going to be it. This is, with with the lineup the Twins are fielding, which the top three or four guys weren't awful, but five through nine, I thought, this is going to be my first chance. And the Twins won the game. And think about it, too. Taylor
2: Motter had a heck of an at-bat to draw a walk. Oh, what was it, like 10 pitches? 10 pitches. And then it was Escobar who delivered, who went and went down on a great slider, went down and drilled the ball yeah. into the corner for a double, because, of course, what is he going to do but double, leading the league in doubles. They did come back against Sale and actually put together something, and Lamar was part of that mm-hmm. uh, that mix, too. I think Adrianza had an infield single, was it that? Indian yes. Sister? That was the first hit of the game, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so maybe, you know, okay, give them that. Yep. But every day, are you going to rely on that to be producing runs? I mean, the Twins had one single yesterday through seven innings against Bocello. You'll be in third place. They are in third place. I know they are, and you'll stay there. I mean, they're behind the Tigers Cleveland, who shouldn't be doing anything Cleveland right now. Cleveland
1: needs to go get bullpen help, and if they do, this yeah, will all be done. Cleveland can end this. Just go get bullpen help. Their bullpen's a mess.
2: Five out of six can can end it.
1: Uh, let's come back and uh, talk Wolves draft next. Jace Frederick of the Pioneer Press, who covers that team, will uh, tell us all about the steals that the Wolves got in last night's draft.
3: Sit tight. The Mackey and Judd show will continue in a moment. We'll be back in the game before you know it. Mackey and Judd
1: on 1500
3: ESPN. Phil Mac- Mackey, Judd Zolgad.
2: Again, this is where perception and facts are going to meet in the middle
3: here. You're going to be perception. I'm going to be facts. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. She's tell the big thing, and uh, that's the, the way our league is going, his ability to play multiple positions, I think his ability to get to the free throw line is important, uh, of course the three, but it's just it, the, the fact that he plays both sides of the ball, he's a, uh, a good young player that has a big upside.
2: Has there ever been a draft pick that isn't a good young player with a tremendous amount of Joshua
1: upside? Josh upside is huge, though. Uh, Jace Frederick of the Pioneer Press, who covers the Bulls, joins us now. Okay, the upside, Jace, for for this kid is how high? How high is the 19-year-old's upside?
4: Um, I think he could be, I wouldn't say like all-star, but I think, I think he maybe has the potential to turn into one of those guys who can be a really good defensive player who can hit the three-point shot on the other end, which in in the NBA today is is pretty valuable. I mean, but you look at you know he's got a seven foot wingspan, which for a six poor guard is pretty impressive. Um, he he has the capability to be active, create havoc on the defensive end, steals, blocks some shots, and he did hit the three point uh, shot at a 38% clip last year. Um, kind of known as a, as a decent catch and shoot guy. So for the Wolves, I mean, if he can grow into a guy who is kind of one of those locked-down perimeter defenders who can shoot, you know, even 38% in the NBA from three, I mean, that, that'd that be a pretty great asset to pick up.
1: Jason, knowing Tibbs as we know Tibbs, what is your thought on uh, how much this kid actually might play as a rookie?
4: Well, the, the, I guess the common thought would be not much, uh, because we haven't seen Tibbs play younger guys, especially rookies, really throughout his career very much. Uh but right now, as the roster stands, now we'll see what they do in free agency. But Okogie is their third wing under the under contract uh, heading into next season. Right now, it's Wiggins, Butler, and Okogie, and I guess a Keda Keda Bates D up uh, the second round pick, but. Uh, I mean it might just be uh, maybe they maybe they make enough additions in for agency where, where he doesn't have to play, but right now out of necessity it would look like somebody who would have to play off the bench at least, you know, ten minutes a game at, at bare minimum you'd think. But uh you know, let's prove himself still and, and, and there's still every chance that Tibbs will see him in training camp and decide he's not comfortable playing him. Um I guess I guess just just based off history I would lean on the fact that he's probably not gonna play very much next year because that just hasn't been Tibbs
2: MO. Uh, Jace, there was some talk that uh, maybe the Wolves would would leverage some of these draft picks uh, into some deals that would help clear some cap space. Uh, They didn't do that. Uh, So where are they at in the free agent market in terms of what they can do? How much are they under the cap? And do you sense that they may be trying to offload some of that even before free agency begins?
4: Yeah, I got the sense that they were at least exploring that uh, prior to the draft and just didn't get anything that... That they liked, uh, but right now if you look at it, and, and as far as cap space goes, they don't really have any of it. Um, they're they're going to essentially have their mid-level exception, which is roughly 8.8 million uh... that, that they can spend in free agency. Otherwise, you're kind of looking at minimum-level deals uh, where you're at right now, which is going to be really hard to add the types of players that can improve your roster and help you improve upon your results from last season and continue, I guess, to, to build upward as you try to to try to really get into contention in the Western Conference. Um, you look at, like, Gorgie Jang's contract, uh, roughly three years, $48 million left on his deal. That would be probably their ideal contract to move uh, to, to generate a little bit of space. Um, and that's really the big one. I mean, otherwise it's Andrew Wiggins, but then that that's kind of a franchise philosophical decision as to whether you're ready to move on from him.
2: And they um, just extended him, like, 11 months ago.
4: Exactly, right, right. And that's well, That's why the contract is so big. I mean, you just signed a max deal, um, and so if you think he's still going to be something, then you're not going to move him, but if maybe you're ready to move on to decide that cap number, is just too big for what he has produced, which hasn't been, I guess, as much as people had expected. Um, so, I I mean, Gorgie Jing I think, has to be their number one target in terms of guys you're going to move here in this next week or so, just to give you some money to be able to assign some players of quality besides that $8.8 million that the mid-level gives you, because right now, that's not a whole lot uh, if you're really trying to get better in the Western Conference.
2: So, before the draft, uh... Tom Thibodeau was out front, you know, talking, uh, publicly for the first time really since the season ended. And, you know, he had an opportunity to address all the, the chatter, sort of the, the you know, the little bit of hot takes regarding Carl Anthony Towns and their relationship. Uh, you know, he basically shot it all. Well, he shot it all down as just dismissing it as rumor. He didn't take everything head on. He wanted to try to take the high road and not maybe breathe new life into it. But what did you sense about how he, how he addressed that issue and whether there there may be some friction there.
4: Well, that's exactly how he's addressed anything that has ever been brought up that could be classified in the column of a rumor. He always says, "Well, look, he can't address every rumor." It's like, well, he doesn't really address any rumors, um, <laughs> which I guess has kind of been the way that, that he's gone about it. And maybe that's that's shrewd uh, consistency, I guess, is key, you know. Uh, but you definitely have the sense. I mean, he he tried to brush it off as like, oh, I love Cat, and Cat's and traveling right now, and communication's really key in all these times where there's a bunch of misinformation going around there, and it's like, well, that's true, but communication kind of seems to be the root of any problems, or, or the the root of, I guess, these supposed rifts, uh, I, I guess, between between coach and players, uh, so you kind of wonder how good that communication is at times, but he's kind of lauding their communication that, that they've had, and uh I don't know. It's just—it's kind of the way he seems to go about it. Uh, and as, as far as town goes, challenge goes, he did say, you know, I love cat, uh, and just exactly how genuine that is, I don't know. Uh, but it, it's just kind of in the tom Thibodeau way to to dismiss things and just simply not really address anything um, in terms of things that aren't substantiated by hard evidence. Um, I don't know, that's just kind of the way he goes about things.
3: It's
1: very convenient. <laughs> Jace, uh, do, do you think that the Wolves did come close last night to uh, potentially moving that 20th pick and Gorgie to get uh, Gorgie's contract off the books?
4: No, I don't think they got too close to anything. I don't think they really saw anything that they liked, um, which is kind of makes you wonder You know, if you, didn't, if you didn't really find anything that you could attach the 20th pick to him and, and give something back that you were comfortable with, and how are you going to do so um, this next week without... Right. that 20th pick, uh, it, it makes me think that it's going to be hard to move Corky Jang, and, and maybe he really does just end up in Minnesota, at least uh, heading into next season, which which means they won't be very active in free agency because they won't have the capability to be active in free agency.
2: So Kate Bates-Diop, he's available at 48 out of Ohio State. It sounds like they were maybe looking, him, looking at him possibly being there at 20. They must have just thought, wow, this, this kid fell into our lap. Uh, what do they like about him so much that they might have been considering him in the first round?
4: Yeah, uh, he's got you know I think of like six eight, and he can kind of play and guard you know two, three, four. He's one of those guys where he can switch almost anything on the court just because of his size and athleticism uh he can hit the outside shot, so he could kind of be like a four that could play alongside towns at five if the wolves wanted to play small for a while um just kind of that versatility of being able to guard a bunch of positions and also offensively being able to play a bunch of positions in terms of like he can hit the outside shot, he can score kind of in all the different ways. Uh, The Wolves just need guys who can play multiple positions, guys who can play two through through four, kind of give their lineup some options, uh, let them play big, let them play small, and he kind of fits into a lot of that, and certainly he's the kind of type of guy, Big Ten Player of the Year, who was productive in college, so so he can play, it's just will his game translate? to the nba level it seems like just reading some stuff up on him uh maybe his motor was questioned a little bit at times uh oh the motor Tims won't like that. that i actually saw that with a Kogi too uh, i i saw that in this guy report too so it's like all right it, may, maybe that's what these guys are looking for you know the Timberwolves want guys who maybe have questionable motors and and just that, they can get <laughs> that, them
2: that the will car. accept and have yeah. to deal with the
4: screaming right <laughs> yeah, that's right that's right uh but but, yeah, I think they were they were very pleased to get uh, Bates up in the and It's somebody who, you know, maybe he, he probably has as much chance to play next year as a Kogi, uh, just based on, you know, readiness to play right now.
1: Give me a percentage on, uh, in your mind, the odds of Derrick Rose being back on this roster.
4: I think really high. Um, I, I know that Tim Rose are interested in bringing him back, and I don't know exactly what the market will be for Rose, but I, I just, you know, just with the quality of players, who can't get very big contracts because there's no cap space right now. Mm-hmm. I really wouldn't be surprised if he ends up coming back here, even for like the minimum, just because he was comfortable here last year. He liked, you know, he has a lot of money. Uh, he he had seemed to really enjoy playing down the stretch last year. He enjoyed the role he got, and obviously his role increased as time went on. Uh, he likes playing for Tibbs. I could see him coming back for the minimum, and maybe if he wants a little more than that, maybe the Wolves would be willing to eat into their mid-level exception because they did like what he brought to them uh, last year down the stretch, and especially in the playoffs. So I think it's really high that Derek Rose ends up back with the Timberwolves.
1: What were your thoughts on that? Did, did you think that, and I, I know he had some good playoff games, but do you, do you see a veteran like that who certainly has a ton of wear and tear as a plus type of guy, or do you see that as a, a potential, what I would call a Tibbs crutch guy?
4: I actually think, especially if you can get him from the minimum, I thought he was a great acquisition. I mean, he he brought he brought some toughness. He brought some, I don't know, I guess kind of fearlessness, especially in the playoffs. He he can kind of be that bench scorer. Like, Jamal Crawford was that, that kind of spark off the bench scoring-wise last year, but then you saw Rose was capable of doing the exact same thing. Um, he played some off-guard, so I didn't really think he would, probably would play alongside Tyce Jones. I kind of liked the way that he fit in uh, with them and kind of brought some things that they needed. Perimeter defense, he he was one of their best options towards the end of the year. So I think if you can get him for a minimum level contract, I think he's just as good as anybody you're going to get for a minimum level contract. So I would really I guess I think it'd be a good move for them, especially if they can get him back for cheap.
2: You mentioned Jamal Crawford. He was outspoken a little bit this week, uh, giving an interview to John Krasinski about why he's opting out and trying to explore the free agent market. I mean, his minutes were down. He took the high road a bit, not you know, trying to fan any flames about there being any conflict with with Tibbs, but what do you sense of what why why he opted out and and what it means in the in the broader sense for uh, how these how this roster is relating to its head coach?
4: I think a lot of it did have to do with minutes. You know, minutes, I guess, role situation. Uh, he talked a lot about fit when talking to John. Now, uh, yeah, Jamal Crawford's like is, is never going to. I guess trash anybody in any situation and he certainly didn't do that there. Uh but he just throughout the year you could tell like his minutes load it wasn't quite it wasn't what he was used to, it wasn't what he was comfortable with. It's like, well, why is he gonna play this minutes load? Uh for a team that isn't contending for championships anyway. Uh he tweeted something about like a video late in the playoffs where Kevin Garnett was talking about the finals and Jamal Crawford tweeted, Man, I need to get to the finals at least one time in my career and it's like all right, well, you're 38, 37. I don't remember exactly what number it is. That's got to be pretty soon here. So I think he's more likely to join a title contender this year and probably get a few more minutes with that. Um, maybe last year, had he gotten his normal minutes load, you know, he would have been more, I guess, uh, likely, likely to stay on here. But I just think given his role uh, and the, the, the fact that this team really isn't probably going to contend for a title next year, it just didn't make a lot of sense for him to stick around.
1: Thanks, Jace. Appreciate the time. Appreciate it, guys. All right, thanks, Jace. Jace Frederick of the uh, Pioneer Press. Check out his work covering the Wolves and uh, a multitude of sports, actually. Pioneer Press and uh, TwinCities.com. Write That Down is right around the corner. And, Murph, I hope you've got three set to go. I got a, three bombs ready as to fly. A guest picker on Write That Down uh, Friday on Mackie & Judd, Brian Murphy, and for Phil.
3: Don't go anywhere. More Mackie & Judd coming up next. And we're out. On 1500 ESPN. Becky and Judd are back. All
0: right, people, let's get ready.
3: Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN.
0: You can spend your afternoon today with Garage Logic GL broadcasting live today, one to three, from O'Gara's at the Fairgrounds for the 45th annual MSRA Back to the 50s. Voted USA Today's best car show of 2017. Back to the 50s features over 10,000 street rods and custom cars, live music hundreds of vendors, and much, much more. All the details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events, that's one to three today. O'Gara's at the fairgrounds with GL. Brian Murphy here, pinch-hitting for
2: Phil Mackey, who's off today. And I was thinking about this. Uh, yesterday was the first day of summer, of course, uh-huh. and very symbolic, longest day of the year. And I was kind of thinking back, and I hate to be back in the day kind of thinking, but... This was the time, generally, where we would really put baseball on its exclusive stage. Like, from this point, for the next month, through the All-Star break, its Midsummer Classic, where it puts all of its stars on display until NFL training camps open up, this was baseball's time. It owned the spotlight. That isn't the case anymore. And for a variety of reasons, as we were talking earlier about how all-consuming now, off-seasons have become in off-sports um, the NFL never sleeps. Yeah, this is technically the most. This is the down period on paper for the NFL, right? Between minicamp and and
1: and training camp, and the network still won't let it die. They won't now. let it
2: die, and this is when everybody gets in trouble. Of course, we have Jameis Winston's report yep. coming out that he's going to get suspended three games uh, for his problems with an Uber driver. Uh, but the, or or somebody was getting into trouble for, uh, at the nightclub. This is this is the time of year where all of that happens. But I wonder if you know baseball is having a very difficult time, and there's a lot of inherent reasons we can get into now and later in the show about getting traction and and being sort of that sport that owns the summer. It used to own the summer. It's not even close now. Kids are out of school. The weather's turning. It's it's summer. I don't know. I just feel like NBA news, even the NHL now, which bleeds into June with the Stanley Cup finals, the draft is this weekend and there's still chatter. Maybe not so much in the States, but there's still chatter about what what
1: are the big moves the Wild are going to make. Where is baseball and how is it lost its stage? I remember what, what you're talking about. I remember up to about 20 years ago thinking to myself, all right, hockey's done for me. Hockey's done. It was always done by Memorial Day. Yep, basketball, which I didn't grow up a huge basketball fan, but that's done. I am now going to spend the next two months or so exclusively into baseball, watching baseball. And it's, yeah, it's gone now. It's gone, and I, I think it's a multitude of reasons, but you do look at the fact that the National Football League, now it's gone from that it used to go on a back burner, Murph, to it doesn't now. It's sort of... This is We won't let it. This is now a this instead of being okay, look, they're off for now. Let's wait till training camp starts. This is now sort of a, a gradual ramp up to training camps What going are to the start. top five storylines exactly.
2: going yep. into training camp? Who
1: are the t- who are the top five quarterbacks? Who's this? Who's that? The NBA offseason has become far more intriguing than their season. Because you got people franchise hopping. LeBron James and, can move teams. Yes. LeBron James. The, Chris the Paul decision, too, will be coming up. Yes. There is no other sport. Football does a really good job of, of selling its free agency period in a compact time with big names, but not like this. So July 1st in the NBA, now to me, easily trumps their playoffs as far as fans are, oh, this is great. LeBron just went to this team. Their and Chris, tectonic shifts. Yes. And so baseball is, and, and the other problem that baseball has, too, is they don't really help themselves. No, you're right. They don't help themselves. But baseball, as I knew it as a kid, when once I got cable in 82, it was, school would get out, and it was Cubs and Twins games for me. A, a steady diet. And then a couple national games per week.
2: Yeah, Monday night on ABC, Saturday, Saturday afternoon on yes. NBC.
1: And, and so... I know exactly what you're talking about and I still think in those terms sometimes but the last time that I dove into baseball like that probably hasn't truly been for 15 years. I still watch a bunch of Twins. Yep. But there's if there's a national game on and part of this is the glut of games on as well. Yeah, they're everywhere. And they're everywhere, they're constant and they all take 3 hours to play. But <laughs> if you're lucky. Yeah, so it's now gotten to a point where and and it's sad to me because The feeling that you're talking about was so much fun. Like, okay, it's baseball time, and it was somewhat magical as a kid, and it's completely gone now. Well, then
2: you talk about the national games, and we're never going to go back to that two network type situation. But there was, it it felt like an event. Now, Monday night baseball never rivaled Monday night football as far as a television event Um, because it was in the summer. Yeah, they They tried tried to replicate it. But it, it it felt like if you were watching a Monday night game or a game of the week, you were watching, I mean, they called it the game of the week yeah. because it was the biggest, most important. Maybe it didn't always match up in the standings wise, but it was a game that you wanted to tune into other than your own club. Well, now FS1. You know, that has national games. ESPN pretty much has a game every night. Sunday's their flagship, but, I mean, they've got three or four games on. It's not that. special, though. Fox, I think, somewhat has games now, but they're on at, like, three or they're on at six. And if it's not, it's always involving the Yankees anyway, which can be exhausting. And the Yankees and Red Sox
1: play games that all last three and a half
2: hours. Right. And it, and if they're, if they're on the Saturday game on Fox, they're going to be on the Sunday night game on ESPN, too. So it's Red Sox, Yankees. In some variation all the time, which, you know, is exhausting and fatiguing. Um, but I, I don't I don't feel like baseball is a special event anymore until it gets to the postseason. I'm talking about now when it should be owning the spotlight. Yeah, no. I it's agree.
1: just sort of a background well, sport. You, you answer me this. When aside from the World Series maybe, when is baseball special now? They're, Opening day they're, and, they're and, and free agency and, uh, period. Season. Their biggest story was guys didn't sign. Well, yeah. But well, I mean, that they was... don't own, they they own, they own real estate-wise, almost nothing now. October. I'll give them October. I'll give them, I'll give them, well, I don't even know. I'll, I'll give them the whole month because football started by then. I'll give yeah. them World Series to a certain degree. But the point being is, is the free agency, the biggest, you know, the hot stove, right? Baseball was the hot stove. The biggest story of the hot stove in 2018 was nobody signing. Right. The market has dried up. Is it collusion? Mach 2. And guys are signing at spring training, which by that time you're like, whatever. They They don't own anything really other than maybe a very small sliver of playoffs slash World Series. That doesn't necessarily bother me as much
2: because I think sports should sort of have their own time of year. And the fact that the NBA the and the up. NFL so sucked fun. the air out of everything during the summer, I, that, that is a little bit more annoying. But, I, but baseball used to own June, July, and August. Uh-huh. And they just don't anymore. Uh-huh. Um, they own, I, again, I'm a casual fan, so I'm not going to tune in all the time. I do have to watch the Twins a lot. Um, but I will
1: tune in in October. But throughout the rest of the summer, it's background noise. Let's come back, and it is uh, right that down time, including Murph with his uh, three guest predictions. The show is Mackie and Judd. Brian Murphy, the Pioneer person for Phil today. Sit tight.
3: The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. No! No! Now! No, no. I need it now! <laughs> yes! I can't wait. Mackie and Judd. <laughs> On 1500 ESP.